0: Tall, stern, well-built man, ready to go to work. The child, sitting silently, for it was best to keep quiet, would look up and see the great long legs of his boiler suit appearing down the stairs. John Leckie was, it's fair to say, as much a creature of routine as he was a man of few words. There was no conversation. He put a long, dark trench coat over his overalls, clapped his grease-stained engineer's bonnet on his head and picked up the lunchbox Sis had prepared earlier. His lunch, his piece, was a thing of precise wonderment. It stayed exactly the same for nigh on fifty years, an ancient little oxo tin containing sugar and loose tea, mixed before it went in, and cheese sandwiches and wax bread paper, made with the well fired top of the loaf. John Lecky was as set in his ways as he was undemonstrative. Leckie would nod to his wife and leave for the night shift in the great engineering works in the city. Nor were things much different when he returned home in the morning, weary and grimy. He came in, said little or nothing, took off his overalls, ate the meal sis had prepared for him, and climbed the stairs to bed. Soon it would be time to bang on the floor again for breakfast. Such was the unflinching, unchanging traffic of his life. At weekends, John Lecky, in an old shirt and trousers and tank top with holes in it, would sit, not in an armchair, but on a wooden slap-backed kitchen chair by the fire. His legs spread wide on the hearth, both hugging and hogging the heat. It was always cold in the 1950s. He would spend hours sitting there, hour after hour, in his own silent, still world, staring at the fire. No radio, no books, no conversation. He ignored anyone else who might be in the room. On the mantelpiece were smoking paraphernalia, neatly arranged. A box of capstan untipped full strength and the occasional half smoked cigarette, extinguished early and saved. He would take the tobacco out and re roll it. There were no matches. He made tapers from tightly rolled sheets of newspapers. When he stood up to smoke, which was frequently, he lit the taper from the fire and put it to the cigarette. The taper was carefully stubbed out and propped at one side of the fire to be reused. He'd smoke his cigarette standing over the fire and then sit down again. Occasionally, he coughed, and if he needed to fart... He simply lifted one cheek of his backside and farted. No apologies, no glance around. This is my house, announced the fart. I'm the main man here. It was a thing of wonder to the little boy who observed. And Mr. Lecky would continue to sit there, legs astride the fire, coal buckets sitting beside him. Eventually, the fire would start to burn lower. "'Sus!' He would call in the direction of the kitchen. Not a question, an order. Uh huh, coal. And she would leave off what she was doing and come through to load coal upon his fire to keep him warm, while he sat there, unmoving. If he did speak, when she had done as he asked, it would only be to criticise the quality of the fuel she had put upon the fire. There's too much dross in that. The small boy remembered the day he arrived at John and Sis Leckie's house, at the tail end of 1957. It all seemed so simple back then. He was only three years old, and Sis was his mother. Of this, he had no doubt. He remembered the day he arrived there because it was snowy, and they drove him up to where she lived, at the very top of the hill. He needed a pee, and they had to stop the car on the slope. He remembered the pattern his pee made in the snow. He was a sturdy, smiley little chap with heart-melting blonde curls and bright blue eyes. That first night when her husband was at work, Sis carried the child outside to the loo because in 1950s Scotland, most people still had outside toilets. The house sat high up to the south above Glasgow, and it was a cold, frosty night. He could see the city lights twinkling, and he thought he'd died and gone to heaven. Safe. Really safe in Sis's arms, looking at the lights. He's outside.